Mai. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. Two difficult topics dominate today's programme. Views on the proposed assisted dying bill and the truly dreadful violence in the Middle East. What do these situations say to people of faith? Well, we usually start with music, and this morning it's a piece that I came across recently and I thought you might enjoy it as something gentle and hopeful in these troubled times. It's a choir called The Thirteen, performing Philip Stopford's composition Do Not Be Afraid.
that was The Thirteen and Do Not Be Afraid by Philip Stopford. On the morning of Saturday, October the 7th, Hamas launched a wave of rocket attacks and stormed into Israel, leading to the biggest escalation in violence seen in the region. Thousands of Israelis have been killed and many more injured, making it the deadliest attack in Israel in decades. Israeli civilians, including women and children, have been forcibly taken. In Gaza, thousands have been killed and many are injured. Airstrikes have caused widespread destruction of homes, schools, healthcare facilities and vital infrastructure. Hospitals, already at breaking point, are overwhelmed by casualties while hundreds of thousands of people have been displaced. Christian Aid have been working with the poorest and most vulnerable people in the Middle East since the early 1950s. William Bell is Christian Aid's head of Middle East policy and advocacy and said this week that following atrocities against Israeli civilians last weekend, Israel's military response in Gaza is now creating an escalating humanitarian crisis that threatens more than two million people. All Christian Aid's work aims to support the foundations for a just, lasting peace for everyone promoting and defending human rights and delivering humanitarian responses that are accountable, impartial and strengthen local capacity. Our own local Christian Aid representative, Louise Whiteleg, joins in today with her own call to prayerful action. As humans, we we tend to have a, a desire to see things in black and white. We want to see an easy solution. We want to be able to understand what the situation is as a whole. And I think issues like this are so very complex that it's so difficult to understand the fuller picture. Do you know, the older I get, the more I realise, the less I understand. But I hold a few things to be true, one of which is that we're taught to love. We're also not the judge. It's not our place to judge. But, you know, when it comes down to it, it's all one human race. And we have that responsibility to stand in love with people who are being put through the harrowing ordeal that they're being put through at the moment. Christian Aid's been working in the area for over 50 years. Christian Aid started in 1945 as a response to the bombing in Europe and helping out in that humanitarian crisis. That's our primary cause. And the help they need is the most basic. It is securing food. It's making sure you've got clean water to drink. It's making sure you've got some sort of shelter. It's also offering help and support. The key to this is that Christian Aid has got partners we work with on the ground there in the Middle East right now who are terrified themselves. They're there at great risk, trying to do what they can to help. And we need to lift them up in love and solidarity. We've heard talks about trying to create a corridor, a safe corridor for aid to get through. How successful has that been? Because Christian Aid has been working in the region for so long, for 50 years, we've got established routes of aid. It's highly effective for working where we can because we've got the local knowledge. Notwithstanding that everything can change overnight in these situations where you've got unknown factors the the headlines that we see in are, are completely harrowing and it can be easy to feel overwhelmed and hopeless and helpless i mean what can we do we can pray for peace in the region we can pray for de-escalation in the violence and for the safety and freedom of innocent people we can act and the things that we can do here now on this island 
We can talk and act with compassion and kindness. And we can stand with Christian Aid and the work that we're trying to do in calling for peace and stability in the Middle East. And through the appeal that's been launched, if you're able in these difficult times, you can give what you can to assist the people who are really, really struggling to get those basic necessities. When you think of the times in your life, you personally, you may have had a bereavement or you may have been ill. And when the church community has reached out to you and held you in prayer, you know the love that you feel in return. And what a powerful gift to be able to do that to other people, to be able to hold them up in love and prayer. It's almost as powerful as the practical support we can give because people need to find their strength from somewhere. When the world's falling down around your ears, you need to know that you're held up. And if we can hold up each other in love, that's the most powerful thing. And I think in prayers, answers will come. We can pray for the leaders, we can pray for the volunteers, we can pray for peace, we can pray for resolution. There's no easy answer. The answer is only going to come through a position of love and understanding, and that all starts with prayer. A prayer for changing of hearts, then minds will follow. Yes. So how do people, if they would like to give something to the appeal, Louise, how, how can they do that? I've got some lovely resources on the Isle of Man Christian Aid Facebook page. There's some prayers on there, there's some ways we can act, and there's some further information on how you can give to the appeal. So it's go to facebook.com, search for Christian Aid Isle of Man. It'll be right there. The Dean of St George's College in Jerusalem, the very Reverend Canon Richard Sewell, had to shelter a group of pilgrims on a visit to the Holy Land when the fighting broke out last weekend. He said, On Saturday, when the violence erupted, we had to keep our pilgrims in the safest room in the college, which actually was the library. We stayed together for most of the day in that room, praying and singing together, just trying to keep our spirits up and to keep a sense of perspective in the midst of a very, very frightening time for everybody. That group has now left Jerusalem for a different location, but Canon Richard says his thoughts are with all those caught up in the fighting. He says, The violence cannot be condoned and urges Christians to pray for all sides. He said, we have to pray with the deepest compassion for every single person who suffers and pray for an end to violence. We're praying for justice. We're praying for that deep peace which is not simply the absence of war but is a place where people can live in dignity and reconciliation. And we should not be siding one against the other but praying into the situation for the peace that passes all human understanding to filter into the hearts and minds and lives of everybody, every cherished human being who lives in this land. All of them are children of God. And if we lose sight of that, I feel we have ceased to pray with the heart of Christ. Canon Richard calls everyone to pray this prayer. O God of all justice and peace, we cry out to you in the midst of the pain and the trauma of violence and the fear which prevails in the Holy Land. Be with those who need you in these days of suffering. We pray for people of all faiths, Jews, Muslims and Christians, and for all people of the land. We pray to you, O Lord, for an end to the violence and the establishment of peace. We also call for you to bring justice and equality to the people. Guide us in your kingdom 
where all people are treated with dignity and honour and as your children. For to all of us, you are our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Music from the monastic community of Taizé in southern France. In our darkness, there is no darkness with you, O Lord. The deepest night is clear as the day. This week, almost a hundred people representing local Christian churches of all denominations gathered in Douglas for a time of prayer, ahead of the anticipated crucial second reading of the assisted dying bill at the end of this month. This was not a platform for speeches, but simply a place to pray and to encourage deep consideration of both the short and long-term implications of the passing of this legislation. Bill Leishman, pastor of Broadway Baptist Church in Douglas, hosted the evening on behalf of CAME, Churches Alive in Man, the ecumenical organisation which draws together the leaders of all the island's Christian churches. CAME has consistently spoken with one voice in opposing this legislation and have made medical information and actual case studies available from a wide range of sources on the subject. Speaking after the prayer vigil, CAME member Pastor Bill Leishman said, It's been really good to see people from uh, from all of our churches and some people from beyond churches as well who want to come and just engage with this issue and to recognise that we're about looking to care for vulnerable people and, and seeing that actually this is an issue which potentially really deeply affects the most vulnerable in our society and so I've been really encouraged to see so many people wanting to be involved. Now one of the things that you have encouraged people to do is to contact their NHK and and you've given advice about how this can be done. Do you worry that there just isn't enough information that perhaps people are not thinking deeply enough about the biggest issues that are at stake here? Absolutely. I think that's a really huge issue and there's been quite a bit of research in different parts of the world that have that has shown that when people understand the issues around assisted dying, they usually swing in their opinions that 
it seems like a natural thing. Why, why wouldn't I just have the right to uh, have my life ended when, when I feel it's my time, uh, an issue of autonomy? But then the more people get into it and actually find out about the arguments and the concerns and, and actually how the mechanics of this thing works, then people start to realise how dangerous it is, especially for vulnerable people and dangers of coercion that already we can't necessarily spot in society. And so that, that starts to change. So, yes, absolutely. It's been explained to us by medical professionals that it is not easy to end a life when that life has not naturally reached its end. No, absolutely. And research in places like Oregon has, has shown that the time to death, the average is anywhere from kind of 20 minutes up to eight hours. And people think it's, I, I take the pill and I slip off, but actually it's, I, I take a concoction of pills. And, you know, if your body is not ready to die, your body is not going to go quietly, as it were. Um, and, and there are all sorts of issues and we you know we, we don't necessarily get to see the suffering that's involved in that at that particular moment. Do you worry that this is going to put great pressure on doctors? If this bill went through people could could be asking to, to have their life ended. Somebody who believes that they have a terminal condition and perhaps wants to avoid suffering. Is it going to be really really difficult for doctors? Absolutely. I, I, I worry about what that does for our relationship with doctors because they're they're bound by the Hippocratic Oath or an equivalent where they, their motto is first, do no harm. And they are there to preserve life. And the moment we change that, we change our relationship with our doctors. There's just the reality as well that we've got all sorts of challenges in Manx healthcare at the moment. And to, to do this thing, to bring in assisted dying with all of the, the safeguards that it, that it would need, not that I'm sure these safeguards would, would work, but the amount of work that would mean for our doctors and for medical and social care practitioners would be huge, especially if we start to get people coming onto the island because we have legislation that the rest of the British Isles doesn't have. And that we could drive away doctors, that doctors would say, well, I, I don't want to be faced with these choices and stop practising. Yes, well, I've certainly spoken to a, a few medical professionals who, you know, just anecdotally have said they wonder if they would want to continue on the Isle of Man if this legislation came in because it would so radically change the patient-doctor relationship. Also present was Ramsey businessman David Doricott. His company, AFD Software, is well known for its consistently generous charitable giving. At their annual charity event later this year, £1 million will be distributed to support the work of around 80 different organisations. David is very concerned about the longer-term effects of this legislation. Human life is an enormously precious gift, and as Christians we believe that we actually carry the very image of God in every human being. Whether you're a human being with disability, whether you're near the end of life or just conceived in the womb. And uh, the minute that we undermine that precious gift, we devalue all of life and society becomes poorer. We all become poorer. Not only do we devalue life, we devalue one another and uh, we cause the release of the potential for people to feel a burden for people to make people feel a burden when they want perhaps their inheritance a bit early. Uh, the slippery slope has been proven across the world where this sort of legislation has come into being. Our best man, John Dolman, used to be part of our business, now living in Canada. 
given a terminal diagnosis. Two years ago, I rushed over to see him in Toronto. We prayed for him. He's still around two years later. Who knows when the end of life is due to come? But Canada has opened up this floodgate and people are now being offered life-ending treatments uh, for simple things like they're homeless or they've got a disability or even in one terrible case because this person was waiting for a long time for a stairlift to be installed. I don't want to be in a society like that. I don't believe for a moment that the Isle of Man wants that sort of society. This is a place of incredible beauty and incredible compassion and uh, we need to hold on to that with our fingernails and I'm one who will do just that. I asked Pastor Adrian Porter of Living Hope Church why the evening had been called Standing in the Gap. I think there is a huge gap. There's a gap of people that are indecisive. They're not sure of, of how to think towards assisted diet. An evening like this, as well as information, it's about bringing people closer so that we would love both sides to be able to talk with love and with respect about their views and their heart, about the value that the church particularly sees on life, to be able to explain why we think changes to the bill are not necessary and to try and explain that we have got one of the best end-of-life care that I've seen in most places with our hospice, the care of the staff and the nurses, that we want to promote the fact that we can help people to, to die well rather than cut short or step in because of inconvenience or because of, of suffering. Suffering is a part of life, but we want people to be cared in that time. Now, we're told that the majority of people on the Isle of Man are in favour of this. And maybe they are touched by seeing somebody close to them suffering dreadfully, yeah. like motor neurone disease, yeah, and, and say, I can't let the person I love suffer like this. But that's not the whole picture, is it? No, no, there's a whole other aspects of suffering. You know, the, the family that are walking through the, with the person who is ill or dying, and there's some horrendous diseases that we see are taking hold of people. But the care for that life, that is so important, how, how Jesus cared for those, how we see in his experience of his life, reaching out to those and bringing comfort and bringing healing at times as well. And in the heart of the people, we want to see that, that opportunity for people to love and to be loved right to the end of life. So I don't know particularly that there are a lot of people in agreement. I've looked and followed the Facebook posts and it's, there's, a, there's a number, but it's a small number of people commenting in strength. And in fact, some of the comments are, are quite balanced as well in listening to the arguments and making up their own minds. Now, we've been told that there are going to be speakers coming over to the island very shortly. Interestingly, humanists yeah. who are against the bill. Yes. So it isn't just a religious thing, it, is it? It isn't just a religious thing. Life is precious right across the planet. You look at any culture. I was watching a program even about a prehistoric people and how they were buried with such love and compassion in, in a time when, you know, there was, I don't know what the world was like, but someone cared enough to bury them in a grave. And, and that just speaks to me that there's something in the heart of mankind that values life so much. So it's not just the church that are standing said, we've got to protect life. Actually, there are many people who are wise. And I, I just ask that the, the MHK should be open to hear from the humanist argument as well as the spiritual argument, because they're all connected on that value and the preciousness of life.
And now it's notice board time. This afternoon at half past three, St Olive's Church on Bowering Road in Ramsey, opposite the Cottage Hospital, have Evensong with the choir and choristers from the cathedral, with refreshments served afterwards. And St Bridget's Bride Parish Church invite you to their harvest service, which is tonight at half past six. Also at half past six tonight, the Mariners' Choir will be in Baldrine Methodist Hall. And again, it's a harvest celebration, led by Reverend Steve Ingruel, with supper and community hymn singing after the service. Tomorrow, Monday the 16th, there's the very popular Harvest Concert and Supper at the Howe Chapel. As usual, the Londu Male Voice Choir will be there and the evening starts at half past seven. Balafesson Chapel have their Harvest Coffee Morning this coming Tuesday the 17th, open from 10 until half past 11. On now to St John's Methodist Church Hall on the main road just opposite Tinwald Hill. Starting this week, you can pop in on a Wednesday morning for tea and toast. Call in any time between 9am and 11am for a cuppa and a chat. And there'll be a play area for toddlers with a warm welcome for everyone. Then this Friday, the 20th, there's a family fun quiz night, again in St John's Methodist Church Hall, starting at 7 o'clock on Friday night. You can have up to six people in your team and the cost is just £3 per person. Come along as a team of six or come on your own and make up a team on the night. And all proceeds will go to the United Nations International Children's Emergency Fund. Looking ahead to next Sunday, the 22nd, and Selby Methodist Church invite you to their Harvest Thanksgiving service led by Mr Kevin Mort and starting at half past ten. Also next Sunday, the 22nd, Abbeylands Chapel will celebrate Harvest Thanksgiving with two services, an afternoon service at three o'clock with Mrs Elaine Christian and next Sunday evening at half past six with Reverend Richard Hooten. And that's all that we have time for now. But I'll be back later in our virtual lounge tonight at nine o'clock to bring you a mix of easy listening music, your requests and your dedications. And I'd love you to join me if you can. So until whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening. And I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week and a very good morning.